welcome to the Financial Planning for Canadian Business Owners podcast. You will hear about industry insights with award-winning financial planner and entrepreneur, Jason Pereira. Through the interviews with different experts with their stories and advice, you will learn how you can navigate the challenges of being an entrepreneur, plan for success, and make the most of your business and life. And now, your host, Jason Pereira. Hello and welcome. Today on the show, I brought back my co-conspirator sometimes, Guy Anderson, to actually interview me this time. And we're going to have an open discussion about the 2021 federal budget and the impact specifically on business owners. And with that, here's my conversation with Guy. Guy, thanks for taking the time. More than happy to, Jason. So, Guy Anderson, you've been on the show before, but let's let you plug yourself quickly. Tell us a little bit about what it is you do. So I'm a portfolio manager with uh, Align Capital Mark. Uh, Align Capital Partners here in Toronto. Uh, I focus more on financial planning. And yeah, that's essentially it. I've been in the business for a good dozen years or so. And uh, yeah, just generally focus on helping people. Excellent. So to get started, this is basically uh, the time of year where we pass go and the rules change on us, as I like to say. Essentially, I like to refer to taxation as a game of monopoly where the rules change every time you pass go, which is exactly essentially budget day. So we had our first budget in two years from this government, and it was a doozy in terms of size, over 720 some odd pages with more programs than I can even count. I think someone estimated over 200 different program announcements, many of them, quite honestly, minor. And quite frankly, this is an election budget. Let's be honest. They were clearly looking to, if someone hears anyone, if you hear anything in the background, my son is doing gym for remote uh, remote kindergarten. So there's that. So yeah, so as I was saying, there's a little bit of something for everyone. We're not going to cover everything. We're going to cover the bigger initiatives specifically today and hone in on the ones that particularly impact business owners. So uh, with that, Guy, let's let's get started. What are we talking first? Yeah, so so you're right, Jason. The the budget was was huge from a, from a number of different standpoints. There is over $101 billion uh, in funding initiatives announced in the budget. Uh, I think- Most of it we don't have, but continue. <laughs> Right. And some, some have suggested it's actually more than 140 billion over the course of the uh, the five or six years that some of the initiatives are are scheduled for. So, with that in mind, let's talk about some of the biggies. One of the big ones that the Liberals have been talking about for quite a while is a national daycare or a national early child care program. What are your thoughts on on that? Should have been on a long time ago. So, before people jump down my throat, the cost of this thing, which is estimated to be sixty billion dollars over the next five years, let's look at what the cost benefit is. So, sorry, that's sixty billion. It's more like it's thirty billion over the next five years. They're looking for funding from the uh, from the provinces to match that, is what they kind of said. So, good luck there. But the goal is to copy what Quebec has done. So, Quebec has ten dollar a day per child daycare, which for someone like myself, who I kid you not, spends over twenty thousand dollars a year in childcare, as I grit that through my teeth and can't deduct the full amount. Basically, that would be a massive, massive savings. So. The idea is to get there by 2026, I think was the year where they get to $10 a day daycare, but to start targeting reductions of 50% of costs by the end of next year and slowly get there. So this is not cheap, but here's the benefit. First off, think about what I do with the rest of the money that I'm not spending on childcare. That's economically stimulative. But the second piece is talk about empowering women in the workforce. Now, as we know, disproportionately, the child care falls specifically on the female gender. Now, there are plenty of stay-at-home dads I know, too, who do a wonderful job. But the reality is, is that if you look at the cost of, of childcare, like I just said, over 20000 for, for myself with two children and, and one of us in school full-time, the reality is, is that for unless you're earning really good money, 
it typically, in a lot of cases, if you have more than two kids, it makes sense for one spouse to stay home, in which case now you've taken someone out of the workforce, right? So the fact that we're expanding our workforce and we're also increasing the number of hours they can actually spend at work because they don't have to race home to pick up their kid because they can't afford childcare. Think about the economic expansion there. In fact, there's been studies done that show that in the Quebec model alone generates between $1.8 to $2.5 per dollar spent. So we're talking about a net positive here, not a net expenditure. So frankly, I think as a nation, we should have implemented this a long time ago. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think some of the studies I read indicated that this would be an initial hit. It, it would be like, you know, capital expenditures is always hard to hard to do initially, but over, over the course of five or six years, it's the payback is actually going to be dramatic in the stimulation to the economy itself. So it's going to be net neutral in five or six years when, like you said, the, the spouse that stay at home to care for kids is likely going to stay in the workforce a little bit longer rather than staying uh, stay in home to care for kids. So, so it could be, could be a very good positive, especially for uh, business owners where they might lose an employee or something like that to stay home and look after kids, right? Exactly. I mean, you know, that's not to say that people aren't going to choose an opt-in into staying at home. That's fine. They can do that. But it's more so we don't want a society that presses them to do so out of economic need. That is reduction of our ed- highly skilled and educated workforce. That makes very little sense. So let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, in my notes, I have it here as COVID relief. Now, that's a big topic, obviously, over the last year or so. So uh, why don't you expand on that and what the budget means to COVID relief? Yeah. So the good news is, is that um, (laughs) the fine good news in in the COVID environment for business owners. So the reality is, is that we had a number of programs that were going to expire come, I think it was the end of June, and essentially they've been extended. So that includes the Canadian emergency wage subsidy, which business owners are very familiar with, as well as the Canadian emergency rent subsidy, in addition to the Canada recovery benefit, which specifically targets self-employed individuals not covered by EI. So all three benefits are being extended to, I believe it's, uh, yeah, till September of, uh, of next, of this year. However, there will be a reduction to some of these, specifically the match rate on queues, the Canadian emergency wage subsidy, which will reduce starting July. So they're kind of starting to wind down in anticipation of the economy starting to ramp up based on vaccination rates, which we'll stay away from commentary on that. <laughs> yeah, we had a little discussion before recording about that. So let's, uh, let's move on. Yeah, let's- real easy to book an appointment. <laughs> Okay, so there's also a line item in there in regards to venture capital funding. And specifically, there's some initiatives for those of color and, and women in the workforce. Can you speak to those, uh, those two? Yeah, so there is a uh, $450 million VC funding pool being put together over the next five years. Those were, you know, as you just mentioned, people of color and women were, were targeted specifically for this. And I got to say, this one's data-driven. The number of startups that are funded by VCs that have people of color or women leading them is a shamefully low number. And this is something that will honestly be talked about by female and other people of color when they go to pitch VCs is that they just do not get the same time and attention sometimes as the men do. So call it inherent bias, call whatever it is. Sometimes it's also just, I think part of, they just see the numbers and they think they're just not going to get it. So there's a, you know, somewhat of a chicken and egg scenario. So the fact that we are throwing money at this this part of the economy and trying to empower these people with bright ideas, smart idea. Yeah, no, I think it's brilliant. I honestly think uh, it's been long overdue, kind of like the childcare stuff. but it's uh, it's long overdue. So there's also there's a lot of similarities between this budget and that and the U.S. budget from from what I can tell actually as as well uh, specifically as it relates to green energy and this line item in the budget is the rate reduction for zero emission technology manufacturers. So what does that entail for for business owners here? 
Yeah. What that means is, is that if you're a business that works on reducing emissions, then you are now going to pay less federal tax. They are actually cutting it in half. So the small business tax rate on the first half million dollars of income for a business in Canada, the federal rate is 9%. That is being cut to 4.5. Anything beyond that is 15. That is being cut to 7.5%. So that is not permanent. However, that is being, that is for the next several years. I think being phased out entirely by 2028. So you have a couple of years of runway where you get to basically save a little bit of money. They're hoping that some provinces may match suit, but I'm not holding my breath. I think 2028 is, is right for that, for the 4.5 and 7.5% rate. But I think even after that, it extends a little bit into 2032 or something. But uh, yeah, there was a little bit beyond that, but it's, but the big, the big reduction was the next couple of years, the next couple of years. And, and honestly, the reality is who knows, right? Like what government's in power? Like how long does this thing last? You know, what's interesting is that we're not used to seeing tax policy that comes with sunset provisions in this country. And for the first time that I've ever seen it, it's happened. Like we, you know, they, they flat out said that this tax rate will only last for X number of years. So it's very different. U.S. policy for various reasons have to come with sunset provisions. That's not common in Canada. Yeah, fair enough. Right. There's also some stuff in the, the budget regarding hiring programs, uh, helping helping business owners hire employees. And, and while you're at that, maybe you can also speak to the, uh, the minimum wage uh, increase as well. Yeah. So in keeping with themes across North America, specifically the U.S., who introduced a $15, who is introducing a $15 federal mandated minimum wage, the feds here are doing the exact same thing. Now, that said, that depends on what province you're looking at and how far away we are from that. So, you know, Ontario was at 14 something, I think, right? There was supposed to be a 15, but the new government nixed that. Well, it looks like it's being forced upon them anyway. So that is going to lift uh, tens of thousands of people into a higher income and more of a living wage. So that's, I would say that that is not a huge headline like it is in the US where minimum wages can be very low. Like we're talking, you know, some of them, not, I think we're borderline don't even have them. So it is what it is. Okay. So would you say that the, uh, the hiring program helps to offset the higher cost to business owners then? Like, or, or is it, well, with the, uh, with the wage increase, the $15, I mean, coming out of COVID, a lot of small businesses have been really hurt. So with the, the raise of, uh, of minimum wage to 15, although it's probably not too significant, do you think that the hiring program that the uh, that's identified in the budget will help offset that? Yeah. So the other piece of this is the hiring program. So basically, in order to encourage people to start hiring people back now that you know COVID recovery is happening, there is a new hiring program in place that's going to help subsidize up to 50% of cost, I believe, in conjunction with that minimum wage. We'll look at the details a little bit better. But that is being done in conjunction with the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy. So that will run from June to November. So they are so beyond what is normal for the for queues, they're going to be um, basically helping you hire back people. Yeah, Jason, there's also a uh an initiative within the budget re regarding life sciences uh, and specifically I think one of the one of the subtitles within that is vaccine development. So can you speak to what the budget means in regards to life sciences and how that affects business owners? Yeah, so $916 million has been earmarked for the next five years uh, for life sciences and biomanufacturing. So they're going to be funding research at post-secondary institutions, hospitals, and grants to support uh, life sciences companies uh, regarding stem cell and, big surprise, vaccine development. I think COVID exposed how much our pants were down on this one, and it looks like they're trying to pull them up. Very good. All right, so on to some of the uh, more planning items, tax, and and 
old age security initiative. So it was kind of surprising to me, at least, that they announced something to do with old age security, a bump up and an increase in old age security for those over 75. Can you speak to that? Yeah, seniors vote. <laughs> can I say? Yeah. So the bump up the seniors the se- to old age security is a one time bump up of five hundred dollars in June of twenty twenty two, and I think that's to reflect the fact that this is starting mid year as opposed to fully at the beginning of the year. But the bump up will going forward will be ten percent more in OAS after age seventy five. So essentially from 65 or 70, depending on when you start at the 75, you get the normal one. And then a 10% bump up through from there, which only makes planning a little bit more complicated, which should, interestingly enough, also result in a correspondingly higher OES clawback threshold, whereby you give back everything. Unless, of course, they adjust the clawback rate, which we've yet to see if they're going to do that. It's going to be interesting. But like you said, uh, you know, seniors vote. And it's pretty clear that that's the, uh, that's the reason behind that one, I think. Yep. Anyway, so the budget itself, we, we talked about the size of it, 101 billion, 140 billion over, over time. There's very little that I saw in tax increases. In, in fact, there's a few things that we were, I think you and I were both looking for, not anticipating for it, but luckily the capital gains tax rate wasn't increased. There wasn't a, a tax increase on the principal or a tax introduction on the sale of your principal home, but there were some taxes introduced. So can you speak to some of the taxes yeah. specifically around like luxury tax, and digital tax, et cetera? Yeah. So let's face facts. No one looking to go into an election ever raises taxes. The reality is, is if this had been a majority government in its first or second year, then they would have totally slammed that down our throats. But instead, they're trying to play nice. They want to they basically uh, stay away from it. So there wasn't really a lot to, ta- to talk about on the tax front. A lot of spending, not a lot of raising. The one, depending on, um, on what you consider amusing or not, so one of them is, let's, let's, let's call it a 1% tax, where they went after luxury cars and boats, which I think is hilarious to, ta- to target. But the way it works is any car over 100,000 or any boat over 250,000 is now going to be subject to a new tax tax as of January 1. So if you're looking to buy a car or boat, you might want to move fast, at least a luxury car or boat. And the way it works is any amount below that threshold. So if you buy something over 100,000, the first 100,000 is, is going to have an additional tax of 10% in addition to any HST. And then anything over 100,000 will be 20% tax. And the 250, same thing, below and above and below. There are also New taxes, or what I like to refer to uh, as the Google and Facebook tax, which is known as the digital services tax. So it is a 3% tax on revenues for companies that rely on digital services and content that are developed by Canadian users. This will only apply to companies whose revenues exceed $750 million or more. So it's clearly targeted at big tech and not the first of these I've seen in the world. I believe France passed something similar, but there's a lot of Let's face it, some these companies will move money around from country to country until it ends up in Ireland and pays nothing. I think there's a, there's a big push towards taxing revenue instead of income within a country because that is a cleaner way of collecting it. So those are the two big tax notes, believe it or not, which I wouldn't say are that big. However, there is another one coming specifically on vaping products, which we have not quickly, we have not discovered yet. So they've said they're going to do it. They just haven't said what it'll be. You're increasing the tax rate on on cigarettes as well by four bucks a carton. I understand, and and like you said, the vape hasn't yet been disclosed. So what you're saying there, Jason, is I should uh, I should ramp up my purchase of my plane before the beginning of the year. Then 
Yeah, yeah. I think of um, yeah, this affected planes too, didn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, that's right. It was planes and boats over two fifty. My correction. Sorry, it's hard to keep track how many of those I have. I see a big boost for the resale market of luxury cars. I also see a bunch of cars that will be designed to be sold for nine hundred nine for ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. So we'll see how that goes. It's interesting. <laughs> as soon as they announce one sort of threshold, yeah, there's the market's going to react and they're going to they're going to respond, right? Yeah, a hundred thousand. Absolutely. Just a arbitrary number anyway. So yeah, if uh, Tesla's selling a car for 106,000 or something like that, they're going to make it 95 or something, right? Well, they may not, but I mean, like if they have a base model package with a, an upgrade package and that upgrade package is going to make it go to 100 or 1,000, guess what? That upgrade package just got modified to go down to 99,000. Exactly right. So this is interesting because this is the first time I, I think in Canadian history that we've actually had a wealth tax. And this is like, am I right on no, I mean, consider, I mean, if you're talking about an asset-based tax or, you know, then we're talking, just think about property tax. But this is Technically, property tax is a wealth tax. You're, you're talking about a, you're talking about a, uh, a let's call it a, a luxury tax or luxury syntax, right? Like, so essentially, syntax are things that they basically put on stuff that is negative that they're trying to prevent people from doing, like cigarettes and whatnot. So you're, you're specifically targeting a specific type of consumption. This is the flip side of it. We're not trying to discourage it, but we're going to say, but it's like, hey, you want that luxurious thing? Guess what? Uh, we are going to tax that very highly. That is a very common form of consumption tax within developing countries, just because their tax reporting collection schemes are a little less um, robust than ours. So yeah, so it's not unusual in other countries, you'll see like 100% taxes on luxury vehicles. Uh, we have not done that. This is our first, as far as I know. Right. So in some respects, it is uh, it is unique. But so uh, one last tax uh, that we were talking about before recording here is the uh, the vacant home tax. Oh, yes, that's right. So that's been discussed, uh, I guess, over the last number of years with the, uh, I guess, the number of foreigners owning properties that are not being utilized. They're just sitting empty. So can you speak to that, uh, that tax there? Yeah, so this is the one market cooling thing that they did in the budget. I don't know how effective it's going to be. So Vancouver already imposed a uh, vacancy tax on their property because, I mean, we all know the legends of, of look-through condos in, in Vancouver. So they did theirs, at, I believe, 1%, and they've been looking at increasing it. Ontario, sorry, not Ontario, but Toronto has been looking at creating one of their own. The feds are now doing a 1% tax on vacant or underused, underutilized tax. I've yet to see the definition of underutilized or how they're going to enforce that. But the entire idea is, is that if we have foreign investors who are just basically buying and holding on speculation, that is not good for the capital inventory of the country and it drives prices higher. So what we're doing is that essentially is we're making it more painful. So property taxes in this country are comparatively astonishingly low compared to other jurisdictions. That's one of the reasons why it's probably attractive to, to hold on that stuff here. So now if we just make it a little bit more painful, then maybe they'll go away to some degree or, or not do it as much or at least rent it out. So do the math, right? If you're in Vancouver and let's say Vancouver goes to 2% and then you have the federal tax at 3% and then you've got property tax, which is probably less than 1%, that's almost a 4% headwind. So yeah. you need, you know- dollar property. Exactly. Just, and if it's vacant, like, geez, like it's a 4% headwind. And I think in certain jurisdictions, especially the hotter ones, if those municipalities take action to do their own taxes, a combination, this is going to help. This is definitely going to help. Is it going to solve affordability? Not a chance, but it's it's not going to hurt. Yeah, it would just affordability. Just proffer up the, the oh, increase the coffers of the of the government. I don't. I guess like many of the many of the announcements, the details are yet to be sort of flushed out. But renting it out for a month of the year does that satisfy the uh, the vacancy? You know, getting around the vacancy rule, or do you have to rent it out for six months or something like that? In which case, you know, foreigners just use an Airbnb to to, to address that. 
who knows? It's like uh, it's like a lot of the other initiatives yet to be seen, right? Exactly. Very good. So, was there anything else you wanted to cover off? There was, there was, like you said, two hundred some odd items uh, identified in the budget. I think we hit on most of the uh, the more the bigger ones, the ones that are more specific to the business owners, etc. But anything else you wanted to cover off before we say goodbye? No, I, I think we covered it quite well. I think we um, the reality is is that we tackled pretty heavily the ones that specifically focus on business owners, and that's of course the the theme of this podcast. So, Guy, I thank you for coming on and helping out. And yeah, so everybody else, uh, enjoy this this. Uh, uh, spending bonanza budget. Um, the next one will probably be not so friendly. <laughs> Agreed. And thanks for having me on again, Jason. I appreciate it. So that was today's podcast and uh, hope you enjoyed that and hope you got a little bit more informed about today's budget. This, of course, was a superficial overview for greater information or more information. You're going to have to speak directly to your account. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever's at your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals, business owners, and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca. You can even ask Surrey, Alexa, or Google Home to subscribe for you. 